Next, this month's special series focus on disaster medicine and preparedness. Unforeseen disasters carry unique challenges and learning opportunities. This month, we present conversations that scrutinize our plans and protocols and ask, how prepared are we? How will we react? You're listening to ReachMDXM, the channel for medical professionals. It could have been any one of us that day that works in a hospital or is hospital-based. That day in New York City of September 11th, you say goodbye to your family in the usual way and you come to work to learn you have to put routine aside and prepare your facility for the worst attack on American soil that we've ever seen. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is Dr. Michael Sadler, Section Chief of the Division of Body CT in St. Vincent's Hospital and Medical Center in New York City. Dr. Sadler is also Associate Professor of Clinical Radiology at New York Medical College. Today we're discussing the preparation at St. Vincent's Medical Center after the attack on September 11th had first started. Thank you for finding time to be with us today, Dr. Sadler. Well, thank you very much for having me. Can you tell us where you were when the first plane hit? What do you remember? I think anybody who was in lower Manhattan that day will remember exactly what was going on leading up to the events of of 9-11. I'm certainly one of them. As I'm sure everybody recalls, it was a beautiful day. It was really a gorgeous September day. And frankly, what was on my mind as I came into work that day was a great U.S. Open final that had just taken place before, and the good weather, and just thinking about looking forward to the fall. And that particular morning at 8 a.m., I had a resident conference that I was scheduled to give and was in the process of giving it. I was sitting there, you know, discussing, I don't recall the exact topic, but something to the residents, and overheard through the hospital intercom was a code message. I think any physician listening to us or or anybody who's worked in a hospital knows whenever you hear the term code something, you know something's going on and you need to pay attention. And we heard a code that we had never heard before. So I sent one of the residents out to find out what was going on and I continued giving my talk, not really sure what to do. And lo and behold, the resident came back and said a plane just flew into one of the World Trade Center towers. And we all kind of looked at each other and thought, well, that's, that's why we heard a code we had never heard before. It was actually a code four, which was a disaster code, which none of us had ever heard. So that's my first recollection, was looking around, thinking to myself, wow, I think uh, we're going to have to end this conference and, and move along. Now, for those listening who may not know where St. Vincent's is, do you want to explain your proximity to the World Trade Center? St. Vincent's takes up a couple of city blocks between 6th and 7th Avenues in Greenwich Village in Lower Manhattan, between 11th and 12th Streets. So from our department, a number of the offices, in fact, my office has a view down 7th Avenue, which on a clear day, you actually can see straight down to Lower Manhattan and can see, exactly, could see what was going on. I can tell you from when I went to my office to put away my notes and the films that I had been using from my talk, I was able to look out onto the street. And there's always hustle and bustle. Any of your listeners who have, are in Manhattan or have been to Manhattan know that 24-7 there, there's hustle and bustle in the streets, certainly 7th Avenue or Broadway, major thoroughfares heading south. I looked down and saw what looked to me probably not more than hundreds, but it looked like thousands of people just on the street 
looking up. Certainly, as I was to find out, they were all looking up at the flames and smoke coming out of the top of, of the, the tower, that, the first tower that was hit. And I recall looking out and thinking, I really want to see this. I want to go out firsthand and take a look. And sort of torn between what I was supposed to do, I wasn't quite sure what my post was going to be at that point in the hospital. I went out with a couple of my coworkers and residents and found a good number of hospital staff actually outside looking out and just completely aghast at the amount of smoke and flames and really the congestion of traffic. As you can imagine, cars were stopped immediately. The police around that area stopped traffic. So the backup was significant. So you've got to picture all of these cars, all of these people, just sort of looking up, looking at each other, and wondering, well, what's next? And what was next? How did you begin to grasp the enormity of what had just happened? Great question. I remember the residents who I was outside with, one of them in particular, looked at me and said, what do we do now? And I said, to tell you the truth, I'm not sure what you're going to do, but I'm going to head back inside, see what the next step is going to be. And in fact, at that point, I can tell you what most of the people, and this is only maybe a 10-second period we were outside, most of the hospital staff turned tail, headed back in, and I can basically go over the steps of what happened in our department, Shira, after that. That's what I was going to ask you. As it began to sink in that this just wasn't a small plane flying into a, a smaller building, and it was an enormous event even before the towers came down. What was your professional immediate response in organizing your department? The first thing is communication. I think communication was the name of the game on 9-11, and it would be in any kind of a disaster plan. Basically, everybody needs to know what everybody else is going to do or can do, and they need to know the limitations of what everybody can do. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Basically, there are three major facets looking back. I mean, three factors that needed to work to make our response work, and our response worked quite well, I thought. Basically, you needed to make sure your equipment was up and running. Sure, we had no idea what was about to hit us. We did not know if we were going to be getting hundreds of casualties, thousands of casualties, or what. We really didn't. Right. So without knowing what was coming, you still had to begin to prepare for something. Prepare for the worst. Absolutely. We were prepared for the worst. In our department, we had... We made sure that we were in constant contact with the emergency department. Satellite ERs were set up throughout the whole complex, and we made sure we had at least one resident there to help triage. Again, not really knowing what we were going to get, how bad the trauma was going to be. Were we going to see burns like we've never seen before? We just didn't know. So we made sure that at each adjunct ER that was set up, which is part of the hospital's disaster plan, we had adequate representation and make sure that the representation was Basically, there was an escalation of who they would be reporting to. So I think the first key, the key with the communication, basically, for us standpoint from the radiology department, was making sure we had somebody at each key point. So we had somebody basically by the ER, by the bays where the ambulances came in. We had people in the ERs. And then for my department, which was CT, I made sure that the CAT scanners were ready to go. I mean, the first thing we needed to do, we had to triage, keeping in mind, we still had emergencies to do that morning. We still had in-house emergencies. We had post-op comp. We had all kinds of patients to do. And we also had plenty of outpatients who were people were sitting there preparing themselves for their CT. Very quickly, we decided right then and there that for the outpatients, we would let them, you know, apprise them of what was going on because they might not have known, but they saw everybody moving around and give them the option of leaving, of which everybody did take, which actually I'm glad they did 
because it might have been problematic for us to reschedule them in the near future, as you can imagine. We, did, we had no idea how long this was going to last, if it was going to be hours, days, or what. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Michael Sadler, Division Chief of Body CT at St. Vincent's Hospital, New York. We're discussing 9-11 and the continued preparations he had to make at his facility after the first plane hit. So was radiology equipment ever an issue? Well, you know, in part it was. We work very closely with an outpatient center uh, a couple of blocks, city blocks away. And first thing we did was basically a, a CT machine, as but your medical listeners or professional medical people will know, it, it's not a mobile thing. We had two CT scanners up and running. Fortunately, that was not a day where we had preventive maintenance scheduled or any scheduled downtime for either of the machines. They were up and ready to go. A number of our portable units that day were ready to go. We had some that were needing repair. We were able to get, when I say portable, I'm talking conventional x-rays, portable x-rays. We, knew we wanted to see if we could get units to each of the adjunct ER setups. And we were able to recruit a couple of units from our outpatient center. As you can imagine, that might have been quite a sight. They actually, the radiology staff from the adjunct center actually pushed the units on the city streets to the hospital. There was no time to wait for a truck to come pick them up. So they actually physically pushed them on wheels through the city street, through the crowds to get them to the hospital. Other than that, we were pretty set. We were pretty set. We had ultrasound ready to go if necessary in the trauma setting. We had people in the emergency room ready to make calls to ultrasound if we were going to need them to be down in the department. We actually did even send a unit down there, which we typically don't do. And we had up MRI ready to go, although it was pretty much accepted that there would not be too many emergent MRs that would be related to this type of trauma. We didn't think, and that was in fact the case. What was the response of the residents and house staff? I can tell you an interesting human interest story here. For the residents in our department, the radiology written board examinations and the physics examination is given in early September every year. And our residents were gearing up for their exams, which were the following week. I don't remember the exact dates. They may have been September 18th and 19th, but I'm not sure. So if you can imagine, our residents were, who had been gearing up for these exams for their, for their whole residency were very torn, and a number of them came by and said, what do you think is going to happen to the exam? Picture, air travel had been completely shut down, and no one really quite knew when it was going to go back up. And a number of them had to travel to their sites to take the exams. So that was an interesting aside, and I'll, I'll tell you, to the uh, radiology board's credit, they immediately postponed and then rescheduled once everything had settled to a convenient time for everyone. But anyway, the, the residents, of them, I think, and the house staff all were in a position, as you might expect. They came to us, what do you want us to do? And we basically, in my department, we assigned as many residents as we could to each area we felt we needed them. For example, I had a couple of residents with me in CT, and they stayed with me the entire first day. Uh, a number of the senior residents were sent to the ERs, to the adjunct ERs, in order to triage. We felt that having the most senior of the residents looking at the injuries and deciding who needed to go to CT, x-rays, ultrasound, whatnot, would be a good use of their time. Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely, and that worked out very, very well. And the other house staff, in terms of the medical, pediatric, the other residents, I give them a lot of credit. They all basically became ER physicians. 
they were able to divide and conquer and keep their, you know, keep their floors covered and also get down to the ER and cover what they needed to cover. What was it like around the hospital itself? Life was going on around us, yet we knew that there was something horrible going on less than two miles down the road. So I think the general attitude, certainly amongst the staff, was, you know, let's do it. Basically, we didn't quite know what we were going to get. We were all sort of in a position of bring it on. We weren't sure what we were going to get. We're ready for it. We've done all our prep work. I think amongst the patients that we did see that were in the hospital, it was was very interesting to see their attitudes of, well, what's going to happen with me? I'm here in the hospital now. Don't forget me. And certainly that didn't happen. As I told you, we sent our outpatients home, and I know the emergency operating rooms all closed to elective procedures. I want to thank Dr. Michael Sadler, who's been our guest. We've been discussing the impact and preparation at St. Vincent's Hospital in New York after 9-11. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Disaster Medicine and Preparedness. For a program guide and complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com and download ReachMD's new iPhone application, Medical Radio. Listen to the same live stream of ReachMD medical news and information you enjoy on XM160. Plus, CME and thousands of searchable podcasts. Download the Medical Radio app today.